Swing and a line drive, left field. Benintendi coming on, dives. And did he make the catch? He did. He got it. Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive. He crushed it. It's a grand slam. Swing and a miss. Frankly, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast, normally covering Boston Red Sox baseball. But tonight, uh, for the first time ever, Charlie Smith and I, we're just going to spend a good 40 minutes or so, 40 to 60, we'll say, just bashing the Yankees. And let me let me start off with a disclaimer for the Yankee fans that are going to hate on us, you know, after, you know, snooping around to see what we're up to. I get the Red Sox are going to be bad this year. Most likely going to be bad. Third place, fourth place maybe. But we're supposed to suck. Yankees aren't supposed to suck. But but they they could suck, you know. They got a lot of issues right now and they're gonna they're gonna have to do a lot more problem solving uh, than the Red Sox, and then I expect, of course, next year the Red Sox to be highly competitive. But that is the format for tonight. Charlie, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm. I, I feel like there is a higher probability of seeing another major Yankee go down than catching the coronavirus. <laughs> but I still, rem- I, I can't tell if it's. You know, not not to make light of the situation because I know, unfortunately, we, there have been a lot of loss, um, a lot of lost souls to it. There's two medical people I know. One said, "Guys, don't worry about." It. The other one said, "Brace yourselves." So I'm like, "Oh, great! So there's a 50 percent chance we're screwed." Yeah, I'll lean great. with the uh, optimistic guy that says not to worry about it. But I think a lot of it's media driven. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But I bet, you know, I bet Severino, you know, he'd trade his Tommy John for the coronavirus any day and, you know, probably judge with his cracked rib there. But uh, anyway, so let's let's talk about our, our dear uh, division rivals. One of the biggest mess ups in the last few years to me is the Giancarlo Stanton trade. Because if you think about it, the season before they made the trade, 2017, they go to Game 7 of the ALCS without Stanton. And then what's hilarious is they essentially do the same thing. They get to Game 6 of it this past season, essentially without Stanton. So they've got this massive contract on the books that wasn't really necessary. And... The guy can't stay healthy. It's, um, you know, back when uh, the Red Sox were talking about trying to get Giancarlo Stanton and it fell through, I know a lot of Red Sox fans, including myself, for like, I don't know, six minutes, were, I was really, you know, just kind of annoyed. It's like, he wouldn't want to come to Boston. Like, Boston was on his no-trade clause. Like, does he not understand that we have one more World Series in his lifetime than the Yankees have, but okay. Um, but what 
blows my mind is how there is a general manager out there that thought, yeah, sure, I'll give this guy 13 years and $325 million to play the rest of his career out here. And then two days later be like, yeah, you know what, now nah, we'll trade him. Not, not really two days, but it just it blows my mind. And the Yankees are always going to be one of the better teams on the board. Not a Yankees fan, never will be. Respect their franchise. But one of the biggest mistake ads, I think it could go down as one of the worst traded players ever. It's just so much money. And considering what they've gotten out of it in the last year, if you can call it that, I mean, you could find two players in the minor leagues that would play for a tenth of that salary and still put out more. Absolutely. I mean, they got decent production last year just out of Brett Gardner. I mean, it's pretty easy to find a corner outfielder, you know, if you're willing to just take a little bit of a risk. I mean, they could go get Will Myers for a few years. And yeah, he's a little injury prone, but he's got a lot of pop and only three years compared to how many for Stanton? I think like eight more. Mm-hmm. I just think that that would have been the smarter route. I'm actually pulling up his uh, um, his contract right now. I'm a bad bad host. I sh- should have had it up. John Stanton will be a free agent from the New York Yankees when I will have gotten married. You will have gotten married. I will have kids already speaking English, probably a second language, and they'll grow up knowing, wow, why did the Yankees trade for a guy that's making that many millions of dollars and he doesn't even play anymore? When was the last time he played, Dad? 20 <laughs> never? Like, they're going to grow up hearing the name and not ever seeing him play. It's like the Bobby Bonilla contract the Mets are still paying. It's something that it's talked about. It's like in folklore, almost. People are going to be talking about this for years. Like, yeah, do you guys remember that time when some team thought it'd be a smart decision to trade for a guy who might have injury problems? <laughs> yeah, and I just let, – let me ask you a random question because it will tie it back to Stanton here. Was Ellsbury really injured to the point where he couldn't play the last few years? Because, you know, people joke that, you know, he was essentially put in the witness protection program and he basically played a full season in uh, 2017 and his numbers weren't that bad. But when they got Stanton, he just kind of became the odd man out. So what I'm what I guess what I'm really wondering here is, is Stanton is Stanton going to get that same treatment eventually (laughs) where they just. They just kind of move him out, and he's just perpetually injured. You know, when Jacoby Ellsbury had his ridiculous, crazy year, when he had 30 home runs, he had 100 RBIs, never in another season did he hit 10 with the Red Sox. Only once in his career did he hit 10 or more home runs, and he only did that one time. He never had more than 100 RBIs outside of that single season. I really do call that a statistical anomaly. He just had a ridiculous year where he just went off. But the problem is you cannot you cannot pay someone based on past performance. Not like that. And the Yankees 
bought into the yeah let's let's give it a whirl let's see what happens and they offered him seven years and I'm and I'm not 100 percent I'm pretty sure it was 152 million dollars and his first year did not live up to the or he lived up to the deal somewhat but the second year of the deal nope third year numbers just slowly starting to regress and it's like did he lie about his age was he really 38 or something but like, <laughs> he hasn't played baseball in over two years yeah and his last season i mean he hit 264 had a 348 obp that's pretty good and uh his slugging percentage was only uh you know 0.402 but um, you know, but still a very serviceable player who never played again. How many games did he play? He played 112 games that year, so not quite a full year, but it's just, I just think to myself, what is Cashman thinking? Because they're paying the Ellsbury penalty all over again with Stanton, and then apparently last year, I'll have to pull his, uh, his uh, stats up, but um, they give Hicks a seven-year deal. The dude hadn't played. I think he, I think he'd only played over a hundred games one time in, in his uh, career. I got it right here. Okay, so yeah, no one other time. Hicks in twenty. Uh, yeah, 2016, played 123 games, only 88 the next year. He had a good year in 2018, career high, 137. And then the very next year, 2019, last season, 59 games. And now he's going to miss half of this year with Tommy John surgery. And when he comes back, he'll probably pull a hamstring and, and miss several more games. Like, this has been an outfield that, I mean... <laughs> they it's just the most dysfunctional outfield i guess i've ever seen i mean when was the last time the red Sox had their entire outfield wiped out i mean we've always gotten basically full seasons out of benintendi bradley and Betts. yeah and even when you when you look back six seven years when you think of of the outfield of johnny damon and Manny Ramirez and these other players out there, uh, Gabe Kapler, who wasn't even a full-time player, but, I mean, these guys never really went down. Yeah, they might be out or stupid things would take them out for a game or two, but, I mean, this is the – find me another major league team that spends this much money on an outfield plus a backup outfielder and a backup backup outfielder with that kind of output. If you're paying this much money – here's the thing. Jacoby Ellsbury didn't have the worst season in his last year because, like you mentioned, you, you brought up some great points. He didn't have a bad season. He stole 22 RBIs. He played 112 games. He slashed 732, had 140 hits, bad 264. That's not bad numbers. What makes it bad is the fact that average annual value salary, he was making over $21 million. For that, you can get that for league's minimum salary. That's just ridiculous. I mean, that's a Brock Holt, you know, type line. Fraction of the cost. Yeah. Brock Holt would have been a million. And he does that already. Better <laughs> exactly. batting average, not as many bases, not as many hits, probably not as many runs. 
But I save $18 million there. I will take Brock Holt shares every day over Jacoby Ellsbury shares every day. The the Hicks one is another head scratcher because, like you mentioned, it's it's he's not proven to anybody that he can play healthy. He will be a free agent in the year 2025, just a couple years before Giancarlo Stanton bids adieu to baseball if he hasn't already. It's just it 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 blows my mind. I think teams out there were thinking we would rather overpay to get them thinking that they're going to produce and become this ridiculous player rather than have to face them and it be tumultuous. Because I honestly don't remember Aaron Hicks absolutely destroying the Yankees way back in the day. I remember, you know, um, very few players have had their number against the Yankees, and then the Yankees been like, mm, yeah, we want to get them, but we're going to overpay to get them too. It's just, I think, I think Cashman is... Don't get me wrong. He's won many titles. He knows what he's doing. But I'm thinking he's starting to show his age a little bit. He's not doing as much research. I don't think they're doing as much about um, all of the stats and saber metrics and things like that. Because if a guy can't stay healthy, I don't care how good your numbers are in a fraction of a season. If you can't stay healthy for 162 games, 120 games even, you're a backup. (laughs) You're a backup. You cannot prove that you're going to be there for the full season. With Hicks, I mean, let me just go over this one more time for perspective because coming into his age, let's see, when's his birthday? He's halfway to 31. So he was halfway into age 29, and then he gets a seven-year deal. So I just can't imagine, I mean, what made Cashman think that this guy was going to be healthy on the back end of that because his age 24 season, 69 games, age 25 season, 97 games, age 27 season, 88 games. What made him think he's going to be healthy at the back end of that? And I've had so many Yankees fans say, oh, it's only, you know, it's only 10 million a year. But I'm like, that stuff adds up. You're still paying Ellsbury. You know, you've got the Hicks contract. I just, I just went, when I heard he got a seven year deal, I was like, what were they thinking based off of one year? Crazy. Yeah, it was. Um, so Giancarlo Stan, I, I, going back to him for a second, he got the major deal. He played um, two years of that 13 year deal and then was traded. And his last year in Miami, Miami was smart because they knew we are not going to get this out of him again. It will not happen again. We have got to move him for whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. So the Marlins are genius in this move because they know they're not going to have to eat over $100 million in dead salary at the end of the season or the end of his contract life. Not to mention any money that they would have to they'd have to chew when he becomes injured. I think the Marlins made out like bandits in this, even if they got little to nothing because they accept little to no risk. They're not paying any of this contract, any of it. And uh, man, and he, he's not going to be a free agent until I think 28. Did you say 2029? When again, <laughs> when you're married, I have kids talking. That's, that's unreal. 
he won't be a free agent for another eight plus years. I'm going to be forty-six years old that year. I don't even want to. I don't even want to know how old I'm. I'm going to be probably pulling out my hair, just like imagining he will have made. He will have been paid more money in a couple of months, injured, than I'll see in ever, <laughs> ever, unless I hit the lotto. And, and the crazy thing is, is. Nobody was willing to take on the Stanton contract. He had a bunch of teams on his no trade list, and he I think it, it just came down to the Yankees and the Dodgers that he was really willing to play for. And even the Cardinals who were trying to stay in it weren't gonna weren't gonna take him unless the Yankees ate major money. I mean not the Yankees, right. the Marlins ate major money and the Yankees just, they did it to themselves. They did it to themselves. It was just unreal. Yeah. So before we kind of transition here, let me just ask one other thing. You know, the Ellsbury signing was a while ago, but when it happened, were you pissed? Were you like, oh, man, he just went to the Yankees. He's a traitor. You know, or were no. yeah, I, or were you like, oh, all right, fine, good luck. <laughs> uh, honestly, he was one of the few players that when he left Boston, I was like, oh, good. Boston didn't buy into the we need to overpay to have someone who's going to hit eight home runs, eighty RBIs, hit three hundred, steal twenty five bases, and maybe get injured. No, thank you. Before you know the late two thousand teens, and they're like, oh yeah, Valdi, you get a contract, and for sale, you get a contract. <laughs> No, I was more upset when Johnny Damon left for just a couple extra million. Yeah, that was painful. That was extremely that painful. That hurt. He deserved to have to cut his hair after that move. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like Alex Rodriguez say. It just felt like I had one one pant leg or one leg in a Red Sox jersey or Red Sox uniform and the other in a Yankee. No, no, no. That No, nothing like that. When Because it was, oh, we won the World Series to... Bye. <laughs> I just got paid. And it, was, it wasn't like they way overpaid him. It was the same term as far as contract years. It was four years. But the Yankees said, oh, they're only giving you, what, 52? We'll give you 54. And he's like, all right, shit, let's go. I'll go. Let's do it. <laughs> and he traded his soul for $2 million. And um, did he win one with the Yankees? I think he did. Yeah, t- 2009 he won that one, yeah. So, you know what? I'm, I'm laughing because the Red Sox have won two since then. And 09, if you remember, that was the year that the Yankees were like, mm, CC Sabathia, yup. Uh, Mark Teixeira, sure. AJ Burnett, uh-huh, yeah, girl. And so you spend over half a billion dollars on these three players. You kind of know you're going to get it. So that's kind of how I felt when the, uh, when the Yankees got, you know, uh, Cole. I thought, okay, well, Yankees solidified their starting rotation. Let's hope that Severino stay healthy. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. So that hinders their team a little bit. I still think they're one of the better teams in in the division and the league. I think they're the best in the division. I don't think we're going to go anywhere, and that's okay. Like, I've accepted it. I've come to terms. Step one is accepting it. I've accepted it. Well, they have taken a, a big blow here in the last uh, week or so with Aaron Judge he had had, uh, you know, pain in what he thought was a shoulder area or around his pectoral area, but he fractured the top rib, or it's called a stress fracture, actually, 
you know, the top rib on that right side and he shut down for two weeks. We're about halfway through that. And then he's going to be reevaluated. And if he needs to have surgery, he's probably out until the all-star break. And I mean, it's just another massive hole in their lineup. And I just, I don't know who their outfield is going to be. I mean, it's, it's going to be Brett Gardner. Okay. So he's going to, He's going to be out there. Um, Mike Talkman, probably. And yep. I think they have to run with Clint Frazier eventually. I mean, they traded for him in 2016, and he was in AAA in 2016. So how are they, yep. they can't keep hiding this guy. So that's their outfield. And no one really talks about the juiced balls, but I don't think they're going to be juiced this year. Not like they were last year. So... I'm kind of wondering if that same magic is going to be there from last season with, with all these replacement guys. You know, I, I really don't. And, um, you know, it's funny. You, you see these pint-sized baseball players that play in, I don't know, Houston, um, that are slugging balls out of the, you know, they're just crushing them. And they weigh about 100 pounds soaking wet. They're n- five foot nothing. Yes, Jose Altuve, I'm talking about you. Um, I don't think they're going to have the same success this year. Um, I'll be shocked if we have more than more than two guys that hit over 46, 47 home runs this year, because I think this is going to be a little bit more of a reverting back to the year of the pitcher. Pedro Martinez called it out where he said, yeah, I, I, I can easily stick, you know, my fingers go a lot, you know, as, as far as across the seams, they go a little bit further. So the balls are, they were a little bit juiced. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, th- there's been so much that's happened in baseball the past couple of years. Now they've instituted like a three batter minimum too. So, I mean, it's like buckshot. You don't know what you're going to get. It's potpourri. Who knows? And that could go by the wayside. I guess a lot of teams are complaining about it. I- I'd love to see that happen, but yeah. Anyway, with, with, um, with judge here, he's got three years to go. Uh, before he has free agency, he'll be a little bit older than some of the recent players. You know, Mookie and Trout were still, you know, late 20s uh, as the, they were scheduled to hit th- uh, free agency. Judge is going to be 31, and he's already showing, you know, signs of, you know, not being durable. He One injury was unlucky. I think he got hit in the wrist on a pitch. Okay, that can happen to anyone. Uh, but then sure. he, had, he had an oblique injury. I think that was last season. And then, you know, and then, of course, the, the stress fracture when he dove for that ball. And I'm just wondering, like, how stupid would they be to lock him up early without using these last few extra years? Like, is Cashman going to be dumb enough to do that? So I don't think Cashman will do that. And uh, if you watch the play again, uh, any player that's like six one, six two, that weighs maybe a hundred and eighty pounds, who makes that diving catch, doesn't break a rib. The problem is that Aaron Judge is not a small guy. He's a very big man. He's got me by a foot and over a hundred pounds. This is a big boy. 
when he comes down and he hits the ground, he hits it hard. When he got up and then, you know, threw the ball in, you could tell on his face immediately that something was wrong. And that has been the case of the 2020 Yankees. It's been 2019 all over again, one by one. It's the domino effect. It's one, it's the next, it's the next, it's the next. I do not think that Brian Cashman can come up with a, a an argument to defend Aaron Judge saying, yes, he's worth 200 plus million and lock it up because you already have that with Giancarlo Stanton and that's not working out so well for you. And let me tell you, as a baseball fan, not not as a, as, as a Red Sox fan, like it, it's it's great. But as a baseball fan, this is not good. As a Yankees fan, this is awful. Because when you see these players getting these ridiculous contracts, Giancarlo Stanton is one of the players that people want to see play. They want to see someone hit a ball 120 miles an hour out of the park. It is not going to happen with him sitting on the bench. It's just not. Aaron Judge has the same capability, but unfortunately, he's not going to be he, – he his longevity to play in the outfield – will not last. He will eventually become probably a first baseman DH, and that is the only way they're going to be able to keep him healthy. If he can do that and make the transition successfully, then I can see maybe Cashman maybe opening up the pocketbook for that guy, but it won't be nearly as much because he won't be playing in the outfield. I agree, and I, you know, with Stanton, I kind of question the toughness. I don't really question it with Judge, and Judge wouldn't went through the playoffs and it didn't seem like he was injured, but I, I calculated his slugging percentage and I think this was for the ALCS only, but it was under four and it should be, it should be close to 700 for a guy like judge. And he did hit that one big home run there in that final, or maybe that was LeMayhew. Judge did hit a home run at some point, uh, and it was an extremely clutch home run um, in that ALCS, and it was his only one for the whole series, but there was really no obvious indicator that he was hurt. So, But I'm just wondering, you know, should the Red Sox stay away from these guys that are 6'7", you know, that play the field? We got Tristan Casas coming up, and... You know, he's going to be cheap for the bulk of his rookie deal. And, and you know, he might not be 280 pounds like, like Judge. In fact, I'm almost positive he's not. But I just, you know, when they hit free agency, it's just tough to tell. And with Cashman, I mean, I'm at the point where I wouldn't put anything past him. But a smart GM is obviously going to make him play out the, at least two out of those three years before, you know, a, a massive deal gets handed out. And, you know, the Red Sox, this is a different example, but with Chris Sale, you know, they had the luxury of that last year and they didn't take it. They didn't make him pitch that year before giving it to him. You know, we shot ourselves in the foot, you know, so I just, it's tough to tell, you know, what they're going to, what they're going to do with judge. And here's another thing. We don't know what the CBA is going to be after next season as far as the luxury tax. I guess the expectation is it's just going to go away. They're going to do away with it. That's, I just, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why like the small and mid-market teams would be okay with that. (laughs) But uh, maybe, maybe there's some reasoning for it. I don't know. But if, if the, 
Yankees were in the same situation as the Red Sox were with bets where we essentially had to give him up. We had to make a trade. I don't think the Yankees could have done that with Judge. I think I think they would have paid the penalty and you know probably fleeced themselves on a massive deal. Uh, I'll, I'll say this much to your point when you were asking about: Do you think the Red Sox are going to go after a guy who's six foot five, six foot six? I think six foot six is a cutoff. Because you get these guys that, you know, just looking at the numbers, uh, Aaron Judge had struck out uh, in, in 2000 and, um, let's see, his 17, his rookie year where he literally destroyed baseball. And that was the all rise, blah, blah, blah. He won the rookie of the year, backup, uh, second place for MVP. Uh, he struck out in 38.3% of his at-bats. That's a lot. That's that's terrible. That's two out of five. That's disgusting. Two strikeouts a game almost. The following year, 36.8%. The year after that, 31.5%. But the last couple years, you haven't seen him play as many games. And if he played more, would that percentage go up? Would it go down? He's still striking out three out of every at-bats. He's striking out once a game. That's not that's not going to cut it. And believe me, for, for the boomer bust capability of you hitting a home run every four or five at, you know, four or five games and you striking out four or five times in that span minimum. No, no, sorry. Not to mention you're not stealing any bases. Yeah. You have a cannon of an arm, but your strike zone is the size of Wisconsin. Like, no, no. And throwing the injury factor, forget it, forget it. And, and Giancarlo Stanton's numbers for, for strikeout totals. I mean, it's, it's, it's horrid. Uh, it's it's got awful. I mean, 211 strikeouts in uh, in 2018, um, and that percentage was 34.2 percent. You have two guys in your lineup that strike out a third of the time, literally a strikeout a game. That's just unacceptable. I'm, I just no, I can't do it. Yeah, I'm pulling up his uh, playoff numbers right now. He struck out an ungodly number of times against the Red Sox in that ALDS. Let's see, 18 at-bats, and he had, oh, okay, it was only six strikeouts. 33%, one out of every three. Yeah. That's not he only got four hits as well. So that that was a terrible series, uh, you know, on his part. And, you know, he hasn't really played since then, you know, just a couple of games here and there. Um, so I just, that's kind of crazy. Uh, let's, mm-hmm. let's go over to Yankees pitching. Let me just ask you this. Off the top of your head, when was the last time they had a stud rotation? You got to go back a ways. God. <laughs> I'm thinking you got to go back to Clemens Pettit. I'm thinking when Clemens was there. Oh, God. When did Clemens get back to New York? 99? Yeah, something like that. 99 through 03, and then he went to the Astros. I, I gotta I gotta look up something because I don't remember if he overlapped with David Cohn. I think they did for a little bit. Remember when David Cohn was there? They had um, they had David Cohn, uh, Wells was there, Clemens was there, Pettit was there. I mean, 
it was back when players didn't, you know, take half the season off because they, you know, pulled their hamstring. Right. Well, That's been 20 years probably. <laughs> and, and, and the Yankees have already lost two guys. Two in the start. Like Severino pitched how many games last year? Two? Three? Late in the year, yeah. And then he got injured. That that's just it, and I mean, eventually Cashman at some point has to look at what's going on and think, you know, he's doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, so many. I mean, really, only the 2015 Royals they they got away with winning a championship without a rotation. Edinson Volquez <laughs> was their ace, and they had that that stout bullpen. And I think Cashman since then has tried to model that bullpen by having a bunch of studs, and he has had a bunch of studs, and then just having an explosive lineup. But that isn't good enough. I mean, say say the the Yankees beat the Astros last fall, and they go to the World Series. I think they're getting shut down by Strasburg twice. And, uh, you know, probably by Scherzer at least once. I, I don't think I don't think there's any scenario the Yankees would have won the World Series last year, no matter how much they want to cry about buzzers and trash cans. Uh, I still I, I still think that the, the Nationals, with what they had, they had one of the most high-octane offense and pitching staffs in baseball. Uh they were underrated. They had a huge chip on their shoulder. They earned every moment of that. And then you throw in the fact that the the whole cheating scandal and everything like that. I mean, come on, come. It's it, it, now now you're starting to see the age of Max Scherzer. He's not 100. percent Rendon is now playing in, in L.A. in Homerland. Uh, that's Homer because it's going to be home run baseball. In case people are going to think I'm saying something inappropriate. Um, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know where the Washington Nationals are going to be this year, but they, they earned every second of it. Answer your question from earlier about when was the last time the Yankees had a star-studded lineup. I'm going to put my eggs in the 1998 New York Yankees when Andy Pettit, David Wells, David Cohn, here's a fun one, El Duque, remember him? Oh, yeah. Hideki Arabu closed out the starting rotation, and that was when Ramiro Mendoza was their kind of Tim Wakefield guy. Remember him? I, so I'm going to say 1998. <laughs> uh, 22 years ago. And the, the reason I bring that up is, you know, I'm not going to knock the, the James Paxton trade last year too much, but there were better options out there. And uh, Paxton, thought I had him up. The audience is clearly going to get on to me not being uh, prepared. Um <laughs> Normally I write it down, but I thought I could wing it. Um, Paxton hasn't pitched. Where's his innings count? Right here. He's never pitched more than 160 innings. That was in that was in 2018. Pitched 150 last year. 136 2017. 121 before that. So he's injury prone. There were some red flags here. He's never had an ERI, uh, ERI, ERA, earned run average in the fours. So, okay, that looks good. But definitely injury prone. He's not going to be pitching in a major league game this year until late May, early June, and probably the latter. You know, last year they could have went 
they they they'd done business with the Indians prior. They could have inquired on Bauer or Kluber. They were willing to deal them last year and eventually did um, trade Bauer, which was ballsy. And then they still win ninety three games. But you yeah. know those two were available. Bumgarner, you know, probably could have been had in a trade and. And some might say, well, Kluber got hurt. Yes, but that was by a comebacker, you know, just very unlucky. Who's to say it would have happened yeah. in New yeah. York, you know? So, right. but they go with Paxton and I just, I think it was a bad well, move. I think Paxton was a bad move as well. I think there was the aura about this mid young twenties kid who came up and I've stupidly drafted him four years in fantasy baseball after the uh, picking up, um, picking him up as a free agent in the 2013 season, because he played three, he won three out of four games he had an ERA of 1.5 and he was striking out almost one an inning the following season. He, he again got injured, had a decent ERA, didn't play that much again, but he barely gave up home runs. And that was kind of the, the interesting thing about him each of the last two seasons though he's played 28 games or more he's been a 10 plus game winner each of the last three seasons he has struck out 200 guys once in his career but like you mentioned has only pitched 160 innings once in his career and that was the last season he was in seattle before he came to new york and now he has a much better offense which explains why he's winning more games but his era has slowly increased each of the last three seasons, he's 30 years old. I do not anticipate him being a major threat. If he does turn into like the next Cole, I'm going to call BS on that. It's not happening. And he's it, a five patient. I don't think it's going to. He's going to work out that great either. But here's another thing too. Before he was traded, he was pitching in one of the most pitcher friendly parks, Seattle. So, like, I just – if he pitched a full year last year, I think that ERA would have been uh, north of four. So, we'll see We'll see how it goes this year. Another thing, too, that I kind of laugh at, the Garrett Cole signing. Now, if the Red Sox were in a better spot, I would have given him that contract. I really would have. It's a lot of money, but he's been healthy uh, most of his career. His mechanics are perfect, you know, according to experts, and that's all good. But the Yankees signed him at a time where they were saddled down with these massive contracts. It wasn't it wasn't very good timing, and they could have traded for him two seasons earlier at cheap money for only Miguel Andahar and Clint Frazier. But instead, they're like, no, let's wait and give him like a major record contract and screw ourselves. <laughs> I just, uh, Cashman kills me. In half a season, uh, Cole is going to be 30 years old. He'll be 30. Uh, he got a ridiculous deal. In five or six years, we will be talking about Cole as, man, do you remember when he won a World Series in Houston? I do not think the Yankees win more. If the Yankees, I'll say this much, if the Yankees only win one World Series when Cole is on that on that team with that amount of money spent, they failed. <laughs> if they won two, 
they at bare minimum met expectations for majority of baseball fans out there. If they win only one, you failed. And Cashman, as much as I respect the man, should lose his job. You know, and that's an excellent point. And I was actually going to kind of mention this. and But let me point this out first. You see what Kevin Cash is doing with the most ridiculous budget constraints. You know, they're a $60 million a year payroll. So you got you got them and their front office doing a great job working with, you know, the best that they possibly can with what they have. Now the Red Sox have high in bloom. Now it's going to be at least two years before you can render a verdict on whether this guy's doing a good job. You know, this is a throwaway year. He's made, he's made some interesting moves, but let's just say the Red Sox win a world series within the next three, four years with bloom. Obviously he will have made some brilliant moves and, and then you got the Yankees. Now let me say this. I was going to pick the Rays. Now I'm on the fence. And if Snell didn't have an elbow issue, I was picking the Rays. I, I like Morton. I like Snell. I like Glass now. Take Snell out of it. Now, I, you know, we got two weeks before that show, so I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to give everything a, a hard look. But I really thought it was going to be the Rays year. And, you know, the Yankees have this avalanche of injuries all of a sudden. You know, Stanton, Severino, um, their catcher, we didn't get to him. But Sanchez's back apparently is barking. But he's always got issues anyway. So you got right. that going on. And, you know, Paxton's out for a little while. And I just, they might win the division, but I just don't know if the magic from last year is going to still be there. And so I don't, I'm not going to, I'm definitely not going to pick the Yankees to win the World Series this year. And I'm just wondering if in three or four years, if the Steinbrenners look at the mess that they have in their payroll and then they look at all these other brilliant teams. If finally they say, you know what, Cashman, you're a little bit outdated. You're not up with the trends. You're not, uh, you know, a present day GM. Adios. Right now, because I guarantee you with Yankees fans, that's the most foreign thought ever. Like, like that's like never going to happen. Right. But I don't know. It could. Here's the thing. In the 90s and the early 2000s, this is a phrase that um, my dad told me, and I didn't really understand it. Loyalty is the greatest form of currency. It doesn't exist anymore. You think about players not even playing sports. uh, Or or people, sorry, players not playing sports. People not playing sports. Uh, These are people that will go from job to job to job after two years, three years, and they get a little bit of an uptick in pay. And they get a big promotion. And then two, three years later, they leave that company to go to another one. And they get more money and stuff like that. It's no longer taking the hometown discount because if the hometown discount isn't adequate, it's not going to happen. Cashman is a little bit outdated. You're right. And I don't think he realizes it, which is insane. When you have a team that spends $60 million that is just as relevant, maybe not just, but only a couple ticks behind – 
and you're spending an additional 200 million, that says a lot. And um, I think, you know, the Snell injury, like you mentioned, you take Snell out of it, he got rocked. And if he really is injured, Rays aren't going anywhere. My surprise team for the AL East, honestly, outside of the Yankees, probably the Blue Jays. I think offensively they're going to be explosive. Yeah, it's just if Ryu can stay healthy, I know they got Tanner Roark. I'm not expecting a lot out of him. I got a lot of questions about their pitching, but every year one team does come out of nowhere and makes a run at the wild card. So (laughs) it it could be. It it could be. Yeah. Yeah, and – Here's, you know, one stat that just blows my mind. The Rays payroll right now is 60 million. It's 59 point something, but let's just say 60. The Yankees are 71 million dollars just over the luxury tax. Aside from the 208, you know, before the luxury tax, uh, that's just absolutely insane to me. And I just think it really speaks to how bad, you know, Cashman really is, you know. and <sighs> It's, uh, well, here, here's the thing. There's a lot of ex- expiring contracts. You have Masahiro Tanaka, who will be one of the front runners for being a free agent pitcher next year with Trevor Bauer. Uh, next year is actually going to be an interesting year for free agent pitchers. Um, James Paxson, free agent, so that could be interesting. Um, J.A. Happ, free agent again. Um, so you have, again, a list, uh, like a plethora of players now that are going to be free agents because that ridiculous 240 plus million, they're shaving off 100 million next year. Now, I'm sure some of those players are going to get paid and they're going to get really close to hitting that number again. But I don't think the Yankees are going to be nearly as bad this year as they will be, uh, or next year as they are this year. This year, they're they're doing very ungodly things with their salary, with their with their payroll this year. It's it's, it's tragic. And if the Yankees don't win the World Series this year, it'll be considered a complete bust. It'll be a bust. Yeah, you know they are going to shed a hundred uh, million, but. You know they're they're probably going to have to replace a lot of those guys, which won't be cheap. You know, and the other thing we need to factor in is Judge. Even if he only plays half a season, he's probably going to get a decent raise being a second year arbitration guy. So that'll eat up, you know, some of what is offset. And and Sanchez uh, also will be, you know, a second year arbitration guy. But they also have to think in the future. Like right now at face value, we have to assume that Judge is going to get a massive deal, whether it's six years, eight years, whatever. You know, for the time being, we have to assume that. With Sanchez probably going to get a big deal, not as big, but he's going to be paid a lot annually. Glaber Torres becomes a free agent one year after Judge. So they got to think about the future a little bit as well and, and anticipate spending some of these these big contracts. So I just I think it could potentially still be messy, you know, and I don't know. Trevor Bauer, Jake Odorizzi, both free agents, you know, they could go that route instead of Paxton or whatever. 
you know, and I, I think Bauer's going to cost a lot of money, but not necessarily Odorizzi. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. They got that Davey Garcia kid that's uh, one of their high-end prospects. I think he had a pretty good spring training start the other day, so he's probably going to get a spot, but I don't know. I just... You see how I am with the Red Sox, you know, fairly negative. If I were a Yankees fan, I would be psychotically negative, <laughs> you know, because I just there's a lot of red it's, flags around this team. It's it's really hard. You have, um, like you mentioned, you have Sanchez and Judge. They're both they're both kind of on the same trajectory as far as arbitration eligibility when they both become free agents. They won't become uh, free agents until the year 2023. I believe, yeah, 2023. So you have one player who plays arguably one of the harder positions in the game. It's also really taxing on the knees, but no one hits more home runs than Gary Sanchez. This would also present another opportunity for their backup catcher, Kyle Higashioka, uh, to step up, especially if he goes down. So that's actually one of the surprise players that I'm actually kind of curious to see what happens because – Gary Sanchez may be one of those players that they move on from later on to get prospects uh, down the line because they're going to still be chewing Giancarlo Stanton. When they have to give Gliber Torres a contract, Gliber Torres isn't uh, a res- – he's what? Uh, let me see if that's correct. Yeah, 2025 he becomes a free agent. So by then, you've got four years left of Stanton. You might be able to find a partner in – you know, trading away Stanton at that point, you're going to have to suck up a lot of money, but that might help the Yankees be able to lock up some of these marquee players. Luke Voigt is another one. If he can stay healthy, he could be a stud. So there are a lot of chips here um, for the Yankees, but it's going to be tough. If they don't win soon, it's it's going to be really hard to be a Yankee in that clubhouse because the pressure is on and the expectations have never been higher. And with Sanchez, I mean, I always think to myself, oh, we'll hide him at DH, but they can't because they got to hide Stanton there. And in two or three years, they might have to hide Judge there, (laughs) you know, so it's crazy. And there was a lot of talk coming into this season that Sanchez would still see some time in left field. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like, he's going to be injured. Your your best value is going to be as a DH. And the Red Sox did it with David Ortiz. I mean, they could have threw him out at first base half the season, you know, earlier in his career if they wanted to, but they were content to just let him DH. And I don't know why it's it's such a crazy concept to all these other teams to to just do that. I mean, I think Stanton does have to be the DH, but you know, maybe try Sanchez out at first base. You know, I mean, if Hanley Ramirez could do it, well, you know, why not do it with with Sanchez? What's that? Hanley wasn't bad, actually. That was funny, too. When he played first base, it wasn't actually the worst option. Yeah, I actually had a lot of confidence in him after a while. And it's common for catchers to do that. I mean, Mike Napoli, catcher most of his career, went on to first base, played very good first base for the Red Sox that year. I don't, I don't know yeah. how, how many times. And that was when Bogarts was, was bad. Like when he would throw a missile yeah. and you wouldn't even know where it was going and Napoli would save it, you know? And and uh, Buster Posey, I, I don't know what his splits are between positions, but I, I know he does uh, occasionally play first base. So 
I don't know. I mean, they're just going to have to think outside the box if, if they're even capable of it. Yeah. I think Napoli good at first base because of his experience as catcher. Like, that's why he was able to get these balls. If they were missiles into the ground, Napoli was like, hold my beer. Yeah. Like, he had it. Like, I had no fear about that. Hanley Ramirez, um, not to the same effect, but, I mean, if you want to get a good first baseman, have him sit behind the backstop for a couple of years, man. I mean, anything in the ground, he's, he's going to take care of that. Um, as for your splits, because you were asking about that, um, he spent last year 101 games as the catcher, four games at first base, two as a DH. The prior year spent 88 games behind the plate, 13 at first, three at the dish. Um, so they're slowly they're slowly moving him back to being a full-time catcher because the year before that, 99-38-7 split between catcher, first base, DH. He's an interesting player to keep an eye on too because Buster Posey, before that devastatingly brutal to watch injury he was one of the better catchers in the game arguably the best yeah and i think it wasn't it his injury was what led to the changes you know couldn't couldn't charge in anymore which right. those i'm like a major boomer when it comes to changing things i don't like it you know but that one i can kind of live with the second base rules i i kind of miss the old way but but uh yeah so hey, oh you mean up that one though you broke up what was that what, what were you saying was the second base i could i couldn't make did you uh, say the, the older yeah before the um the utley tahada incident in the playoffs yeah yeah before that you know you could break up the double play and i just i, I like that brand of baseball a lot more you know and and then you had the the rules switch and the only cool thing that's happened since the rules switched is Odor knocked out Batista, you know, and that was awesome. that was awesome. He cl- he cleaned the clock pretty good. Batista forgot his name for about six seconds. It was <laughs> he did. He's totally dead. I I ought to watch that again. That was I hate that guy. He, he's trying to market himself as a two way player. I can't imagine a forty year old shoulder for the first time ever holding up in a in a major league uh, season. But he'd probably be a reliever, I'm guessing anyway. But yeah. Anyway, we're coming up on an hour. Any final thoughts? Has there been just one thing at the forefront that you're like, oh, the Yankees are pretty stupid for this or that? You know what's funny is I've actually been talking about this with a couple of people. I have made so many Yankee friends on Twitter more than ever before. And and we've been talking about making plans to go see Red Sox-Astros games, Yankees-Astros games, Yankees-Red Sox games. Like It's all good fun. And it's, it's two teams that used to really hate each other that now the fans, I think just with what happened with Houston, it brought us together. A little bit. It, it was pretty wild. So now I get on Twitter and I'm like, okay, let's see which ones my Yankee buddies have responded. All right, cool, cool. So like right now we have a couple – we have a, uh, one guy and I, we have a banter going on with a couple of trolls on there. But it's like, oh, man, how, how's your day going? It was good, good. How's your day? Good, good. Yeah, wife, wife's good. Right, yeah, 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 right on. Like just – as if we've known each other a really long time, which is wild. They said, hey, man, you know, side note. I said, we should work on something. I think it would be fun to get a Yankees-Red Sox perspective on something. But, um, you know, I'm excited for this year. That's what I'm going to leave it on. I'm excited for this year. I'm really curious to see if Jose Altuve can hit above 200 in spring training because right now, last I checked, he was at 177. I don't know how he did today. But 
it's it's hard to do well when you don't know what pitch is coming. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Bregman sucks too. Yeah. Oops. You know, I, I love Altuve. I'm I'm willing to forgive him. I don't. I'm never going to be a Bregman guy. And I liked Bregman. I I enjoyed the ballsiness when him and Bauer were going at it. I couldn't even pick a side. I thought both guys were hilarious. But now I'm like I'm a, I'm a million percent team Bauer if they ever you know flare up again. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see, but that there's so many interesting stories this year to, to watch. So, you know, if, if the Red Sox are tanking, like we expect, then, you know, there'll be other things to keep an eye on. Yep. I'm sure it'll come up in conversation. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, good show, Charlie. Uh, I think we, uh, I think we socked them pretty good and, uh, <laughs> We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens in the you know next forty eight seventy two hours. So good, good show, man. Thanks, Travis.